2: Good evening everybody and welcome to another episode of To Be Discussed with Cuff and Gurr. My name is Callum Gurr, and I'll be joined by my co-host and political opposite, George Cuff. Hello everyone. This evening Callum and I will prove
0: to you that you can have impassioned debates whilst holding vastly different opinions without falling out at the end of the night. So this evening we will be discussing, are the Lib Dems facing electoral oblivion? Or even Oblivion. Uh, and how can we better be better allies to the Black Lives Matter movement? And lastly, do you have a full driving licence? With each of these discussions being accompanied by polls, which you have the chance to vote on at wizardradio.co.uk forward slash listen? And these discussions will be open until the end of the song break between each topic.
2: But first, last week, we asked for you guys to send in your questions for George and I to answer. Uh, And we've had many really great questions in um, a lot along a very similar um, theme, as you might expect. The first one is from Esther. Esther said, I know this is a really difficult one, guys, but I'm interested in your opinion on this as two middle class white guys. Genuinely, what do you think needs to happen to calm the racial divides in the USA and the UK? I don't expect you to have all of the answers, but I think right now we need everyone to be hands-on with coming up with solutions. What do you think, George? What do you think?
0: Um, well, Esther, you, you ask a really, really important question, and at the moment, <clears throat> excuse me, we have obviously seen some um, a lot of protests going on regarding this matter, and a lot of people trying to come up with ideas to ensure that we build that bridge um, so that we can come together over um, these issues. I think possibly one of the, the, the biggest ones is firstly, that I, I worry that sometimes there are those that wish to make a racial divide um, a political point. And I think for the first off, we need to make sure we realize that racism should never be a political argument. It should simply be an argument where we all come together no matter what party you stand for and want to fight it. Then I do believe that we should also open up in conversation. Now, I totally support the protests that are going on. I think the protests, peaceful protests, is a very key thing to do. It's a great way to make a stance on a point. um, And it's a good way to show the level of support and frustration that those that are affected are feeling. But then to move on from those protests, I think we have to open up the gates of conversation. And the conversation has to be about how we can narrow those divides and eventually heal them. Now, it is obviously very hard for Callum and I to sit here, as Esther has rightly said, as two middle-class white men, and ever, ever truly feel the racial divides that have been going on, because I'm not going to lie, in those situations, Callum and I are seen to be privileged people, and I don't think that is wrong in any way. Um, but I think ultimately it's it's got to be recognised by everyone, and it's for people that have a platform like Callum and myself or on a radio show to speak up about this, to ensure that awareness is raised ri- so that people can start talking about this and a conversation and a discussion can really, really make the ball start rolling because when people start talking, other people take notice. And I think that is something that's really key. What do you think, Callum?
2: Yeah, I think, I think t- t- talking is obviously a massive part of this. I think um, gen- generally um, when people um, of, of kind of different communities interact. It, it tends to in generally studies seem to sh- seem to show that then kind of prejudice and, and bigotry, I suppose tends to go down. Um, so I think one way to kind of um, uh, reduce the racial tensions in these countries is obviously to try and encourage dialogue, but that's very, very difficult when um, in, in in the UK and in the US. You've quite often got very kind of homogenous groups of either a very majority white population or a very majority black population, and and it's sometimes hard to to get that interaction flowing. So that, um, you know, we can see that there's more kind of in common between us, I think, than there is difference. As such, I think also in the U.S. in, in particular, um, there's a need to to kind of stop racial profiling. Um, particularly amongst the police force with in terms of what, what we would call here, I suppose, stop and search. Um, and, and in general, I think that in the US, they need to be looking to reduce the number of um, black people who are in prison, because at the moment, um, according to the NAACP, um, African-Americans are incarcerated at more than five times the rate of white people. Um, and when you consider... Um, but in terms of population wise, there's more white people than there are um, black people in the States. So that That's obviously something that's that's going to have to change. Um, and so I think there are kind of two ways in which we can try to calm these racial divides. But I mean, as Georgia says, as Esther says in her um, question, um, me and George um, kind of prescribing solutions, we, we may well miss the point sometimes because we, we just can't truly, truly understand um, what it's like to be a black person living in, in the US or, or indeed in the UK. Absolutely. Um, our next opinion comes in from Leah.
0: And she says, you have probably had loads of messages about racial issues because this is the big topic everyone is talking about, appropriately seeing as there are black people being killed out there for no reason. But do you think the UK has it worse than the US? This might sound strange because I feel like in the UK, everyone thinks that things are worse for black people in America than they are in the UK. But I don't know if that's
2: just because our society is better at hiding these issues. Callum, what are your thoughts? I think probably uh, I mean obviously comparisons are sometimes not not always greatly helpful I, I think probably in, in a sense um, things are slightly better here in the UK but I don't think that's necessarily because the racism doesn't exist or even within the, the police force for example um, I think it's just partly because of, of, in terms of specifically on, on policing, um, the policing culture here is is quite different. In terms of the majority of police officers in in, in the UK don't carry um, guns, uh, and and so it means that if they um, kind of use excess force um, in in a UK context a, a, against um, black people. It, the consequences quite often are less fatal, I think. But that doesn't mean that these things don't exist. Um, and you only have to see the kind of groundswell of support we've seen across the UK for and um, the Black Lives Matters movement to to, to realise that this isn't something that we're we're really doing any better with um, than than the US. I think. What, what do you think, George?
0: Uh, it's it's an interesting. Interesting point that Leah raises, um, and I, I think in in this situation, I suppose um, I would have to accept that I am maybe rather biased, um, because obviously I live in the UK and I see the developments of what happens in the UK much more so than I do in America, because obviously I pay much much more attention to what happens here um, in the UK than I do in America. But from what I have seen, I do believe that America has a much more fiercely um, quite prominent problem towards racism than the United Kingdom does. I I do genuinely believe that we are more accepting as a country. I think we do have a better freedom of speech. I think we have better levels of acceptance here. Now, I'm not denying that there are absolutely um, there are racial developments in this country. And, and absolutely there are, and, and it's totally wrong. But at the same time, I think that we as a cultural society are able to, um, help and accept those around us. Um, and I think America don't do as well as that. And, and as Callum has rightly said, and if we look at it in a, in a police officer perspective, a police force perspective, America, has a very different culture to our British police force. They have a very different approach, um, and as such as well, they have different powers out there as well. Our police force are not as brutal um, in many senses, but even still, that does not mean that it, it is completely um, not racist because that would be telling a lie. Unfortunately, there, there are those kind of whiffs of racism. And I, and I think that is, is true in any element wherever you look, unfortunately. Um, so I think as it's very hard to, to actually compare both countries because they're so very different countries. But I would like to think and hope that the United Kingdom does deal with situations like this better than America does
2: right then uh, remember we're announcing what the question will be for you to send in your opinions on at the end of tonight's show so make sure you're ready for that for the chance to be featured in this segment of next week's show but we've reached time for our first song break this evening so we'll be back very soon
0: Hello and welcome back to To Be Discussed. So let's move on to our second discussion of this evening. And we're asking, are the Lib Dems facing electoral oblivion? So in recent times, the Liberal Democrats have been polling not particularly well, with them hovering around the 6% to 7% mark. Since Brexit faded from people's minds, so has the once remain central Lib Dems. Are the fears true that the Lib Dems became a one-issue party, much like the Brexit party? Maybe it's because the Labour Party are coming closer to the centre now. Callum, what are your thoughts on this? Is there still a place in politics for the party that once propped up a very
2: proud Conservative government? <laughs> I don't know what proud Conservative government means, George. Neither do I. <laughs> Um... Uh, Well, so is there a place for them? Probably, yes. Um, But I do think they are facing electoral oblivion, truthfully. Uh, I think, uh, as you said in the introduction, they've kind of lost their their reason for being, really. Um, You know, they're they're anti-Brexit, but Brexit's happening now or happens now, um, depending on what kind of school of thought you've got, I suppose um and and they're talking uh, I know obviously I'm not a liberal democrat anymore but I, I hear they're they're talking about being the party of rejoin um and they're, they're possibly going to have that as a motion at their next conference um but to me that just seems like it's actually really showing the fact that they are a, a bit of a one-issue party as as you've said I think also another reason why they're facing such a a dilemma, really, is because they've lost a lot of well-known figures from the party. Obviously, unfortunately, Paddy Ashdown passed away fairly recently. Nick Clegg now works for Facebook and hence is kind of politically neutral, or at least relatively so. Vince Cable's retired. Jo Swinson lost her seat. Um so, so a lot of the kind of hard-hitting figures and maybe with the exception of Joe Swinson but a lot of the more recognizable figures from the party are, are now gone and unlikely to return and um, so it, it it makes it harder for them to generate headlines and, and things like that and, and I think really realistically with um, the Labour Party going more to the center as you say um, and certainly having a more moderately um, kind of presented leader anyway um, it makes things a lot harder for them as well. And I think that's probably why they're really, really kind of up against it. I mean, w- what do you make of this, George? Obviously, it's quite interesting because the Liberal Democrats had a lot of seats that where they came second to the Conservatives in 2019. Um, so are you a bit more fearful that they could come and kind of turn a lot of them around? No. No? No. Why not? Um, <clears throat> well... I I don't
0: really think so. I mean, first, because the majority of the Conservative MPs um, where the Lib Dems came second was was quite a lot. And also um, those that it was narrow, the Lib Dems put a lot of resources into them and still couldn't pip the uh, Conservative MPs into the number one spot. And also on that issue as well. They a lot of those seats where the Lib Dems came second were remain voting seats, and yet they still elected a Brexit member of Parliament. So I feel as if they if they can't topple a Conservative MP that's behind Brexit when they were trying to get on the remain vote, then I don't really see how they will ever really be much of a threat in the future. Um I, I think it's always sad when we do see a party decline like the Lib Dems have. Um, I'm someone that always vouches for um, democracy and making sure that we have as many parties as possible to uphold the viewpoints of as many people as possible, and and that's also why I believe that we need a different voting system. But. Um, I think that the Lib Dems really, really need to sit back and have a look at where they are and what they are doing with themselves. If it is true, as you've said, Callum, that they are going to become the party of um, to get back into the EU, then I I think they're absolutely kidding themselves. I don't think that's going to have really any momentum whatsoever they've got to leave Brexit behind and they've got to focus on the country. They've got to focus on on what the United Kingdom will look like outside of the EU. I think there's hardly any support out there on us joining the once we're out of the EU on us rejoining because of the amount of things it would mean that this country would have to sacrifice to ensure that we rejoined. Um, and, I, and I don't think that even some remainers would even want that. Um, and I, I think that would just be absolutely diabolical for the party. So they I think their best approach, in my opinion, is to is to show kind of a have a, a manifesto that translated what they want the country to look like outside of the EU, but with incredibly close relations to the European Union. I don't think that's an issue whatsoever, and I th- believe there will be uh, many support for that. Um, I, I do worry where the party is is going in the future. Um, I think that Labour, with Keir Starmer especially, has been able to create such significant ground um, and gained a, absorbed a lot of the votes up from the Lib Dems, which is rather worrying. Those that would never have voted for Jeremy Corbyn so decided to go to Lib Dem. Um, so I think that's why they've kind of lost that vote as well. But Callum, let, let's say for um just this show let's say there's a general election tomorrow um thankfully there isn't if you were waking up tomorrow to go to the the the, uh,
2: polling station would you be voting Lib Dem I mean as you said I mean that's not going to happen so um (laughs) I, I, I think at the moment I probably would still vote Lib them, simply because I don't think we've seen enough evidence quite yet that Labour are actually past their anti-Semitism issues. I think they've made some good progress, but I don't think we've seen conclu- conclusively that that they're uh, that they've solved them as such. And so I think for that reason I I would still vote Lib them. But it's not exactly a, a kind of resounding um vote for them as but, such. But I mean, kind of to play a bit more devil's advocate then, I suppose, because we, we're both broadly in agreement, Lib Dems are um, facing a very difficult situation. But obviously, I suppose there are some things in their favour. I, I mean, firstly, I'd say obviously, um, although me and you have both alluded to the fact that Labour now pose a threat to them, um, I think actually... The polls don't actually back that up quite. I mean, obviously, the Lib Dems got about 11.5% in the last election. Um, and now the polls suggest they're somewhere between probably 7 and 9%. Um, but to have only lost 2% of their vote, maybe at worst 4% of their vote to, to Labour isn't actually as catastrophic. I mean, it, they managed to get... Um, uh, what was it, 12 MPs, I think, in 2017, off of about 7 8% of the vote anyway. So, I mean, they're certainly maybe not in that much a worse position at the moment, if those polls are indeed correct. Um, and I suppose there are some other things that look electorally in their favour as well. I mean, looking at the London mayoral election, um, Rory Stewart's pulled out. So it means that now Um, that that kind of more centrist vote's not going to be split for them. Um, They've got more second-place finishes in in constituencies in 2019 than they did in 2017, which gives them kind of a good base to build upon. Um, And I think one of the crucial things for the Lib Dems at the moment, which might mean they're slightly saved, is the fact that Keir Starmer doesn't seem to be, at the moment, the vote-loser for the Liberal Democrats that Jeremy Corbyn was. Um, I think Jeremy Corbyn frightened a lot of more conservative-minded voters that are really important swing voters in those um, Lib Dem conservative marginals. So if um, Keir Starmer doesn't seem like such a terrifying prospect, I think it's far more likely that those, uh, those seats that are conservative right now could flip Lib Dem because um, the people that are more conservative-minded and more inclined to vote for the Lib Dems because they don't feel it's likely they're going to go into a really dangerous coalition. I mean, is that something that, that that you would be fearful of, George? I know you said you're not really fearful of them taking um, your seats.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's it's definitely a, a, a an argument to have. Um, and you do make a very good point in regards to that. There are those that wouldn't in the previous session that didn't want to risk a, a, a Labour government under Jeremy Corbyn, so did lend their vote uh, to the Conservatives, maybe in, in Lib Dem areas. Um, but, and, and there is always that opportunity that the Lib Dems could overturn some of those Conservative MPs. But even still, I, I do stand on the point that I find it hard if they can't, couldn't let them in, in, let's say, the EU general election that we had. Um, or the Brexit general election than we had, then I, I would find it hard to to see it be overturned in a normal general election. But having said that, as well, um, I think it's will be interesting to see how a new leader of the Lib Dems would 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 take the Lib Dems forward, where they would want to put them in the political spectrum. Um, because if they do put them in that more centralised area, then the conservative voters that often maybe go between Lib Dem and conservative would probably feel more comfortable as well, going towards the Lib Dems, um, in in a, in a given general election. And also you could argue that maybe there are those conservative Lib Dems that actually wanted Brexit. So wanted to vote conservative in the last general election, but now Brexit is or would be done. They would put their vote back to the Lib Dems as a, their ideological ideas actually align more to them. Um, one quick question before we go on, Callum, do you um, think we would be having the same conversation if we had a different voting style in this country?
2: Uh, no, because I, I, I mean, I think the Lib Dems would feel, still face a lot of the issues they do, although I think they're more pronounced and um, the first past the post. Um, but I think Actually, we'll be talking about the Lib Dems being on the rise a little bit more than what we are, because we have to remember that, as I said, in in 2017, I I think they got roughly about seven point something percent of the vote. By 2019, they got 11.5 percent. Now, under a proportional system, that's going to increase their their seats overall. Um. So so I think then we'll be talking about them being on the rise a little bit more okay they're not going to get anywhere near government at the moment but i i think as as you say under a, a different voting system we'd be probably looking at this in a very very different way and how do you think this poll is going to come out um i think that most people will say yes the lib dems are facing natural oblivion i'll say um 65% what about you I'm going to say 70%. But
0: as always, there is only one way to find out, and that is for you guys to vote on the poll. Are the Lib Dems facing electoral oblivion? Uh, And you do that at wizardradio.co.uk forward slash listen. And we'll be back after this. Hello and welcome back. So before that break, we asked, are the Lib Dems facing electoral oblivion? So you guys have been voting away and the results are in. And 78% of you said yes, they are. And 22% of you said no, they're not. Well, Callum, that is slightly worrying.
2: (laughs) Yeah, but not, I suppose, completely, completely unexpected, is it? Uh, I mean, obviously, as, as we said throughout, really... Lib Dems face many, many challenges at the moment. Right then, uh, time to move on to our third discussion of this evening. Uh, And we wanted to have a more general discussion about how we can be better allies uh, to the black community and to the Black Lives Matters movement. So most of our listeners will this week, of course, have heard about the Black Lives Matters demonstrations worldwide. Uh, These were organised in response to the murder of black man George Floyd by a white police officer in the US after the police officer knelt on Floyd's neck for almost nine minutes during which time Floyd repeatedly begged for his life saying I can't breathe. Demonstrations against police brutality and racism were sparked by the murder not just in the United States but in countries like Australia Canada and here in the United Kingdom. On Tuesday, there was also what was termed Blackout Tuesday, where people shared a black square on their social media feed in an attempt to raise awareness of the plight of black people worldwide. All of this has left George and I wondering how best we tackle what is clearly a very sensitive and important conversation that is happening right now. We can never truly understand what the experiences of black people living in the UK and worldwide are. So we would be doing an injustice to our listeners and the cause to pretend as such. Therefore, we'd like to talk about how we as white people can be better allies to the Black Lives Matters movement. So if you have any ideas about how we can help the movement, please send them to station at wizardradio.co.uk or tweet us at WIS Radio And we'd be really grateful to hear some more ideas. But for now, George, what do you think we should be doing to help?
0: Well, firstly, um, I think it's an incredibly important discussion that we are having uh, on the radio show. As I said um, earlier in the show, it's incredibly important that those that have a are fortunate enough to have a platform do raise awareness on this and that we ensure that there are discussions hap- happening around the world um, so that people know and understand how and what is best the best way to move forward and ensuring that that those that have seen injustice can actually feel as if there are people out there that will listen and people out there that will care for them and rightly so callum again you you have said how both of us will never truly be able to understand the Possibly hatred and division that the black community has felt um, from those around them, and it's. I find it hard when I see and and hear the stories of such disgusting and racist acts going on. Um, but even though Callum and I are white middle class males, I think it's so important that we speak up about this Um, because I think ultimately at the end of the day, um, there is a, for me, there is a clear argument to say that it is the white privilege that started this in the first place. And it is for us along with others to fix it. This is something that we have got to solve. I think it's got to a point now that there is so much momentum behind it that we are finally seeing those in high places listening. But even so, I don't think enough is happening. I think that we are approaching a time where we are seeing white people immensely going out of their way to let black people know that we are there to support them and that it is only the minority of us white people that um are racist that will discriminate against other people because the majority of us do not want that we want a society that brings people together we want a society that can ensure that everyone has an equal start in life that ensures that there isn't racism, there isn't hate. And it's worrying to see the statistics that have come out recently, especially in this country as well, where hate crime has gone up, racial crimes have gone up, and it worries me. But as I said again, earlier in the show, I personally think that one of the first things we have to do is start that conversation to ensure that we have that healing process, to ensure that we can actually slightly understand how the minority communities have been feeling because we won't ever truly be able to understand that. But if we sit and listen, we might just be able to get a glimmer of what it's like. And then because of that, we can start this ball moving to ensure that we heal those divisions. I think in times like this, social media has been incredible. I think to raise that awareness, to make people realize what is going on and how real it is. Unfortunately, I think in society, so often racism is brushed under the carpet and it has to stop. As white people, if you see racism, try and stop it. If you see any of your friends say a racist slur, even if it's in a joke context, stop it. I think that racism has been a buck of a joke for too long. And it's just become kind of like a norm sometimes in some societies to have that casual racism and it is wrong. We have to start calling people out as we have seen in recent times. When they are racist, because as soon as we change the language around racism that it is wrong, people will stop doing it. I think for so long we are too afraid to speak out about it, but not anymore. We have to stand up with those around us and ensure that we are speaking out when we see it and we stop it. What do you think, Callum?
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, obviously, um echo a lot of what you've said there I, I think probably one of the first things we can do is is reflect on our own racism um i i was reading earlier um that the kind of anti-racism often is portrayed as something you either are or you aren't um when when really it is in a sense it's more of a of a spectrum because sometimes you might hold a view which unconsciously you, you, you may not actually realize it's actually somewhat racist or or somewhat prejudiced. So I think it's really, really important that we as, as white people kind of reflect a little bit upon that. Um, and, and I think back to some of the conversations, which, which I had in in school, um, and the way in which, I mean, obviously we came from a very majority white school. There, There was only a few really black pupils, um, within our school and i think that often that wasn't probably outright racist i think there was often a, a, an element of kind of ostracizing um those people and uh, not ne- not all just people that that were black as such but people from the bame population um and, and i think it's really important to reflect upon that um and, and realize that, that that's wrong and make sure that if you're faced with that kind of situation again, that you you stand up and and you say something, um, because because as you say, George, I mean, it is up to us sometimes to to, to just actually say something. Uh, I mean, George, just uh, on that kind of track of of reflecting a little bit upon upon your own attitudes and your own biases, c- could you think of an example in which but perhaps you might do something differently now to kind of further the, the kind of anti-racist cause now. Yeah. I,
0: I, think that quite often, um, if there have been, been jokes regarding certain situations, then I, I, um, I don't maybe speak up as much as I could. And, um, I definitely think that if I see any of those jokes that are in relation to racism or, or anything like that, I will definitely speak up about it um, because quite often I think if you raise that point, even if it's within your friend group, it, friendship group, it makes people actually sit back and go, Oh, actually, no, that, that was wrong. I, I shouldn't have said that. And even that little Mindset of of realizing that someone's done wrong will then encourage them to to, to speak out against someone else, and, and I think that it's just little things like that that really can start making that ball moving to to heal those divisions that we have seen. How about you, Kanam? Is there anything in a certain way that you're going to be you're going to change what you
2: do in 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 this cause? I think similarly to to what you said. Obviously, just making sure that you're more vocal in speaking out, um, and I think also probably. I mean, it's not something I can realistically do now because obviously I don't go to school. But I suppose in in a sense, in in schools and in university, it quite often happens. Um, perhaps it's partly human nature, but it quite often happens that. Um, white people hang out together and black people hang out together. Let's let's be honest. I think that does quite often happen. So mm. I suppose a, a a really conscious thing that I'll try and do is is try and make sure that I'm trying to speak to people that don't always necessarily look like me. Um and I think that could be a kind of important way of of then being able to actually understand a little bit more about the experiences of, of, of kind of different groups of people. Mm, definitely right then um we've reached time for another song break but we do hope that this discussion has helped in a small way to contribute to what is a really important worldwide dialogue going on right now and um, we'll be back in just a bit
0: Hello and welcome back. So let's move on to our fourth discussion of this evening. And we're asking, do you have a full driving license? So I myself have been driving for almost six years now Um, and Callum, is still learning and if it hadn't been for covid then i'm sure he would have passed by now well i say i'm sure i I don't know um in 2018 2019 there were 1.6 million practical driving tests taken in the uk of these less than 50 percent were actually successful but callum are you hoping that very soon you will be able to uh Get out your uh, pink driving license to, to show off to the many crowds that you have.
2: <laughs> I was I was until I heard that statistic. I mean, less than fifty percent were successful. Blimey! What a challenge! Hey, eh? what a challenge! Well, I did it, Callum. First time, no minors. Just just showing off there. Yes. Okay. No one asked, George. No one asked. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, no, so definitely I'm hoping to, to get my full license. Uh, I mean, I obviously as you say, I haven't got it yet. Uh, I did uh, originally take a, a couple of tests a, a, about four years ago, I suppose, maybe even five now. I don't know. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, didn't didn't quite manage to pass, and went off to uni. Didn't really need to drive, and then I picked it back up again um well, this in 2020 well, actually no I think I, it was probably in 2019 actually but it's all been a bit um stop start for me basically oh, I see what um, you did there yeah and yes yeah exactly very good pun there um but um yeah I mean it's definitely something that would open up my world a little bit more um being being able to drive uh, I mean George I mean what are maybe some of the reasons why people wouldn't um have a full driving license other than oh. they haven't passed um i mean first academy can you can you please sound a bit more excited that you're you're going to be
0: having a full driving license you sound <laughs> like you don't really want one um but i i i mean it's hard for me to comment why people don't want one because i'm so biased because i have one but i suppose there are many uh situations driving uh driving lessons are quite an expensive thing to have and then there's the test the practical sorry the practical and the theory they're quite an expensive thing to do then obviously then um getting a car and everything, insurance on that. Um, and often even getting insurance on your parents' car to, to go out and practice while are you're, you're learning. Um, and they, it is a very expensive thing to, to get into. Um, often as well, sometimes I think if you live in London, it's easier just to, to get on a train or a tube or public transport. Um, so what is the point in spending loads of money in, in getting a, in getting a test? But I, I absolutely love driving. I, I really do. Um and I mean for the last nearly six years I've just been the, the taxi driver for all my friends. Um that's why I then got a two seater car so I can only give my um just the person that I actually like the most a lift. Um yeah. and surprisingly it's not always Callum. Um wow. so, <laughs> so So yeah, I mean I am very much looking forward to Callum starting to drive because then I won't have to drive everywhere and callum can actually come pick me up um and and take me everywhere like like he's my chauffeur i can't can't wait for that was is that something that you would happily do callum would you become my chauffeur when i become really big in politics
2: no because uh, i hope that i'll have a successful career as well um, yeah uh, uh, thank you for the vote of confidence yeah <laughs> um but but um, obviously driving around everyone as well it's, it's I don't mind driving most of our friends but you George I don't want to drive around just because as you told me the other day you're not a very good passenger <laughs> at all he's, a, he's what? what we call a, a backseat driver or pa- I can't remember what it's called you know yeah <laughs> but he's, you. Always his, he's, a, he's always on his He's he's always on his brake ready even oh, well. even when you know, he's not. He's not even driving. He's the passenger. So yeah. it's not something I'm looking forward to at all. I, there regard to that,
0: there are only very few people that I trust driving when I'm I'm in the passenger seat. Um, and it takes me a little while to trust someone driving. I mean, I was in a car recently, um, and they they got distracted, and I I honestly felt like I was going to die because we are on the dual carriageway and they swerved into a nearly into a bank and it really scared me. My life flashed <laughs> before my eyes um, and no wonder I get get scared when I'm in the passenger seat. Um, but how do you think this poll is going to go?
2: Uh, I think probably about 50-50 because I, I don't think everyone's going to have a driving license because they're probably not going to be old enough. What about you? I'm going to say 40-60
0: um and i mean the 40 will be the yes side but as always there is only one way to find out and that is for you guys to vote on this poll do you have a full driving license and we'll be back after this welcome back so for that break we asked do you have a full driving license and the results are in so 43% of you said yes you do and 57% of you said no you don't well Callum
2: a victory for me <laughs> well done George you've uh, you've you've done very very well well done thanks mate that's that I appreciate
0: that <laughs> Um, Right. I can't believe this hour is already up, but unfortunately it is. So thanks for listening to To Be Discussed with Karpengur. We do really hope you've enjoyed this episode.
2: So, as mentioned earlier, for the first segment of next week's show, we'd like you to send in your opinions on the question, what can Keir Starmer do for Labour to win the next general election? You can send in those opinions by email to station at wizardradio.co.uk, or through Twitter, that's at WizRadio. Remember that question is, what can Keir Starmer do for Labour to win the next general election? And we're looking forward to hearing those next week. It is now time for George and I to say ciao for now. So I've been Callum Kerr. And I've been George Cup. Thanks very much for listening, everybody. Make
0: sure you keep positive and stay smiling. Uh, We'll be back next week at the same time and the same place for another episode of To Be Discussed.